everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Geek Garage podcast. I am your host, David Dassaw, and with me today is Ted White again. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. Absolutely. We are taking a quick break from the hashtag Road to MTech 2019 series to discuss Netflix's and David Fincher's and Tim Miller's and a bunch of other people's uh, project that was uh, just released on Netflix last week. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. We are talking about love, death, plus robots and robots or robots, however you want to go about saying it. I think it's just love, death, and robots. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about summarizing this show? Do you feel like you could do a summation in like two, three, 15, 16 sentences? That was oddly specific, but I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Any, any sentences in between that, that number of sentences would, would, would work. All right. So starting, uh, let's start now. So, First things first, Love, Death, and Robots is a highly stylized, computer-generated, animated program on Netflix, as David mentioned. It's an anthology series. An anthology series, right. It's very, it's uh, not serialized, though, so the, the episodes are standalone. Mm-hmm. There are some overarching themes, uh, and of course, they're predominantly within the sci-fi genre. Yeah. However, they are not, they're not serialized like something like Breaking Bad, where everything is within the contained universe. They're all of the same storyline mm-hmm. <clears throat> they're all done or at least a good number of them are done by individual studios or individual groups so while there is some like thematic continuity like I said it does it does break it up and keep it fresh so each episode is different enough while still kind of maintaining that core uh, I guess sci-fi aesthetic or philosophy if you will Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like fans of black mirror will be fans of this i saw this headline today and it was uh i i think it was something along the lines of love death and robots is everything that black mirror is not and i don't think it was necessarily a slight against black mirror i think it was more of like it complements it where Basically, you know, Black Mirror kind of tears your soul out through your asshole. And not only that, but it, it just kind of gives you a, a very bleak, dim look at the evolution of technology from now until the not-so-distant future. And the episodes also tend to be very long, whereas Love, Death, and Robots, the episodes are very short i think the longest one is 16 minutes and the shortest one is about five minutes yeah i think they they range from five or six minutes up to maybe 18 so they're all you know they're all less than 20 minutes for for sure yeah so that's that's an interesting constraint in a way uh but i also think it's kind of freeing in another way so yes a short is obviously easier to write in the sense that you know, it's, it's not like writing a full-length movie, a full-length feature, a full-length novel. Right. You. There's a lot of things that you can kind of throw out of the rule book, right. so to speak. Right. So in some ways, it's much easier. In other ways, I think it's much more difficult to mm-hmm. write a good story that's yes. contained within, you know, five pages or ten minutes of screen time or what have you. Yeah. It's much easier to make it tight and consistent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, Obviously, you have a very short time period to give your story a beginning, middle, and end and still kind of give your audience the feeling that 
they have a little bit of a backstory to what's going on, but not necessarily to the point where they need to know exactly what's going on. Right. I think we decided to take this episode by episode, right? Yeah. Just, just yeah. kind of go through it. I mean, we don't have to. We can we can just kind of free ball it. No, I think <laughs> with the series being all shorts, I think it kind of lends itself more easily to having someone go over it episode by episode. Yeah. And then on top of that, you don't have to go into each episode with the same level of depth. Right. For some of the episodes that you or I may have liked or enjoyed a little more, obviously I think we'll have more to say. Mm -hmm. Some of the ones that maybe weren't our favorites will have less to say. And then obviously some of the ones, especially some of the shortest ones, the five, six minute episodes, there's less to cover just in terms of length. Right. So we'll have less to say just on that fact alone. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's just kind of jump in with number uh, episode number one which was titled sunny's edge and right off the back uh, right sorry right off the bat i want to mention the badass soundtrack and i'm sure you would want to echo that as oh, well definitely, definitely. first disclaimer is that uh, this part is very much spoiler filled uh, yeah. just like everything else that we do but i wanted to go ahead and throw that out there second disclaimer is this episode of the podcast was very much impromptu. Like, mm. I called up Ted uh, earlier today, and I was like, hey, you want to do an episode on Love, Death, and Robots since we just finished it? And he was like, sure. So we just decided to do yeah. it. And We're uh, very professional, yes, as you can tell. Yes, we, we haven't really done a whole lot of research on any of the episodes or the, the producers of each episode. So we apologize for that part. This is more of like our personal critique of each episode. But anyways... So, Sunny's Edge. Mm. I really liked the soundtrack. I thought it had a um like a, a very Atticus Ross and and Trent Reznor kind of feel to it. I could definitely see that. With uh with their, you know, like techno synth driven very yeah, I was going to say very synth driven, very deliberate in terms of like beats per minute and things like that. Right. It reminded me a little bit of some of the work of maybe like Cliff Martinez. Who's who is? Why does that name sound familiar? Um, I think most people will recognize him. He's a composer. He does a lot of movie soundtracks. He's a composer and a musician. Okay. He is responsible for the original music that was in Drive, as well as Only God Forgives and the Neon Demon. Yeah, that's uh, he's that's worked, why it sounds right. So he's worked with uh, Nicholas Winding Refn a lot, mm-hmm. or at least for those three films. <clears throat> he's he's got some other credits to his name. Like he's not just known for those i can't remember what the other ones are off the top of my head but i would i would think that probably those are the three that he's most known for probably drive would be the one he's most known for that was a pretty big soundtrack when that movie came out uh and he's all very a lot of his stuff is very synth driven as well it reminded Mm -hmm. me a bit of that which is you know not a bad thing yeah (laughs) no that's that's a good thing talented so yeah uh, i was i was definitely digging the soundtrack for that I liked the the universe that they created with, yes. with the first episode. It reminded me a lot of like a Blade Runner, yeah, a Neuromancer, so very like uh, cyberpunk mm-hmm. sort of aesthetic. And a lot of the a lot of the shorts in the series had that same sort of aesthetic. Quite a few of them did, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I think, was maybe maybe the most fully realized in terms of like the universe overall it's sure. also one of the longer episodes it's like 16 minutes i think yeah yeah i thought that this made for a very good uh, series opener uh, right. as as far as introducing the audience to the overarching themes mm-hmm. of 
the uh, the entire series and what's to follow as far as I guess the animation because it was it was kind of I felt like the animation was smack dab in the middle of uh, of all the of the animation of all the other episodes because it, it almost felt like the the animation of all the other episodes were like old animation all the way up to like super new animation mm. like PS4 graphics and and right. uh, <clears throat> what, what's the name of the technology where you basically it's basically filmed and then painted yeah so that's called rotoscoping yeah um, for people that are not super huge nerds like I am if you've ever seen the film A Scanner Darkly that was done mm-hmm. in rotoscope so it's shot in you know like live shooting like on film or digitally either one mm-hmm. um, and then it's painted <clears throat> excuse me digitally painted to look to look like it's animated so you kind of get that weird like surreal sort of right um, everyone looks photorealistic in the sense that you know they look like human beings look they're not you know, stylized, but it's also kind of got this weird, like, you know, those aren't natural colors sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was definitely one. I, I kind of agree with you in the sense that the first episode was sort of a midway point in in terms of the spectrum of arts. Like you have mm-hmm. um, one episode, which of course we'll cover, which is done in a very 70s sort of anime style. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me a lot of like the Speed Racer yeah. cartoons. Yeah. Or a little bit of maybe I think like, that was the Sucker of Souls episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of the old Speed Racer cartoons, as well as maybe some of the, like, Lupin the Third, so kind of that 70s anime style. Sure. And then there were some episodes that were done that were very cutting-edge CG, where almost, you, you'd look at them and you're almost like, the backgrounds in particular, like, that looks fucking real. Right. Um, and then it would, like, zoom in or focus in on a specific character, and you're like, Okay, it kind of yeah. take, it kind of puts you back in the frame. Like, oh no, this is animation, <laughs> right? Uh, and then there's the one the one short that is actually live action, um, yeah. And we'll come to that. But for the most part, all the rest are are animated in some capacity, right? Yeah. Uh, so as far as the 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 overall like storyline for Sunny's Edge, I I thought was you know relatively decent. It was it was <laughs> fine. Um, I, I mean, it was it was fun. Like you know, of course. With 16 minutes worth of storyline, you're not going to get, uh, you know, a full breadth of, you know, just, um, you know. It's not going to be as fully realized as like a two-hour feature film. Right. right. But for the the time that they were given, I thought it, it was a relatively decent storyline. What I did really enjoy, though, was the 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 actual technology behind it where they, they you know, use a... a it was it looked kind of looked like a Bluetooth device almost. Yeah. That they wear and they basically hone in to these creatures that they've uh, that they've developed, which seem like a combination of uh, basically just biomechanical, where right. uh, where they're both you know uh, biological creatures and mechanical. Mm. Um, so to to kind of sum it up, it's essentially like I guess UFC with cyborg monsters almost the the concept of like you said the the headset that it does look a little bit like a bluetooth it's not worn exactly on the ear it's it's more like on the side of the head yeah right above the ear like on the temple yeah i believe you're thinking of rock'em sock'em robots yes that's that's what it is rock'em sock'em robots for adults right this is exactly what it is um (laughs) 
that's sort of a trope in a lot of sci-fi. Sure. Um, I mean that 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 idea is not super original. On its yeah, own, I was I was actually just well. about to say yeah. that it's used well. Um, <clears throat> I think that the episode is just got enough twists to it. To it, it's like one twist away from becoming corny. Right. Yeah, I think they stop at just the right number. Exactly. So where it's like, oh, that's still neat, and it's not just like, oh, Jesus, with this shit. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that's a that's kind of a theme throughout the entire series uh, with all the other episodes. I feel like is that a lot of them almost hit that cliche point, but that's kind of one of the things with the them being so short. That's one of the things that they all have going for them right. is that they're able to stop at that point mm. to make them just a little bit more original than what you would kind of expect the ending to be. Right. Uh, and I think overall, like a lot of the episodes, much like this one where it's sort of a well-known trope or it's not something that's, completely original or breath of fresh air or what have you. Mm -hmm. I think that they still use those ideas in a way that's different enough or interesting enough to not be just another like, Oh cool. Well, we've seen this like <clears throat> with this episode, you know, you kind of made the joke about rock and sock and robots. There was that movie real steel. I think it was called with yeah. Hugh Jackman, which yeah, is basically, I saw that. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's basically <laughs> like, like the same sort of concept. They're controlling these giant like mm -hmm. robot mechs. You know, these, they're biomechanical. You're led to believe that, at least. Uh, cyborgs of some sort, I would assume. So it's just interesting enough or different enough to keep your attention. One thing I read is that the order of the episodes was different for different users. So I don't know if they based that on, like, region or maybe just, really? like, randomized it for huh. whoever logs into that account. You're trying to get all uh, Bandersnatch on us. I'll take your word for it. Um, having never seen it, I have no frame of reference. But uh, I agree with what you said, though, that this was a good introduction to the series overall. Like mm -hmm. I said, it's got one of the more fully realized universes. Right. Even though it's 16 minutes, it doesn't go super in-depth about it. It's mm -hmm. still... They say enough through exposition as well as, like, shots, how shots are framed and all that, that you can kind of put together what's going on. It's a world that we would recognize as our potential future. It's not like super right. out there in terms of like, mm -hmm. I need to know what's going on. Cause it looks like a, it, it looks like a futuristic city. Yeah. You know, it, it's very, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, relatable, I guess. Where in, in a, yeah. In a yeah lot I mean, ways. it kind of drops you in and you're like, Oh, okay. Well this, this feels very familiar, but not necessarily in a ripoff kind of way. Right, right, right. Um, but I do think that it was a good introduction. It hit on a lot of the themes uh, that are present throughout a lot of it. So, like, uh, you know, technology, obviously, it's sci-fi, so it's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Twists and turns and sort of thrillery. Um, that's not really a word. So, it's sort of that th thriller adjacent, I guess. So yeah. that it's There's some action and some drama, but it's really kind of like there's that constant unease, I guess, of, right. of what's going on. So, I thought, I thought, I think, you know... I agree with you 100%. I think it was a very good introduction to the series overall. Yeah. And I kind of wish that they had made that the introduction for everybody because I think it was perfect. Yeah. I, I think uh, 
I, I kind of go back and forth. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll probably reflect on this a lot, and I might actually even end up writing a blog post uh, about the, the series just to kind of <laughs> elaborate a little bit more once I've maybe rewatched a couple of these. Right. Because uh, with... Uh, and I do this with Black Mirror a lot, not to bring it up constantly because that's not what we're talking about today. But with those, you know, shorter... Uh, um, episodes where you know it's an anthology series you kind of it a lot of the times it leaves you wanting more so you don't know if uh, if it would make for like a good full-length movie or not like like in theory you're like oh man like i'd like to see it this be a full-length movie but you don't know if you'd you know end up fucking yourself if you end up trying to make it you know into yeah. something full length where it just it was meant to be this short and i think for some of the episodes they some of the episodes lend themselves to being extrapolated or extended into a full length like a, a feature length film or even like an hour long episode of mm-hmm. a tv show or what have you yeah i think some of them lend themselves to that more easily uh, the first episode is definitely one of those where you could, I think you could flesh that out and do a feature. I don't know that it would be a super original feature, particularly not in the wake of like Alita Battle Angel just coming out, yeah, which was also sort of a de- death fight sort of po- uh, plot. Yeah. So I think it may get a little flack for that, but I think it's it's easily doable. Yeah, they they could spend some time elaborating on, you know, the incident that occurred with the the lead female character. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, I, I think she was raped or something like that. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a, one of the big critiques I've seen of the show right. since it came out is that it's, uh, number one, very brutal. And it, that, yeah. it definitely is that. It, it earns that TVMA. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other critiques that I've seen is that it's misogynistic. Right. And since I'm not a woman, I don't know that I'm really qualified to discuss what mm-hmm. classifies as misogynistic or not. Right. Uh, I definitely can see why people are saying that. There, mm-hmm. are, there are a lot of instances where I was like, hmm, that lady's having a bad day. <clears throat> yeah. yeah you, you definitely have to, at the very least, keep an open mind uh, when watching it. And I mean, it, the, there could be uh, very well be some validity to those statements, but just like Ted said, it's it's very hard for two dudes reviewing the show to to kind of make any sort of firm statement on whether uh, it is or not. All right. Well, uh, you uh, you want to move on to uh, episode number two, three, which is three robots. I mm. guess I guess that's a little confused. <laughs> it's confusing for simple minds, like <laughs> your, like your, like me. Your words. Yes, my words. Once again, uh, but ep- episode two is called Three Robots, mm. and this kind of tied for first place for me personally with Sunny's Edge. I I really enjoyed this one. I I enjoyed the. The idea behind these three robots roaming around a an abandoned city where humans are obviously no longer in the picture. Right. And it's not just that, but these robots are funny as fuck. Especially yeah. the the monolithic uh, robot. Yeah. The the traveling triangle looking. Yeah. Looking the, the pyramid. Chick. Yeah. Um, this is definitely, I think. I was going to say the lightest episode. Yes. In terms of the most comedic, right? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think this is the most intentionally funny episode. Mm-hmm. I do 
I, I enjoyed this one a lot because it was a breath of fresh air. It was not. It was a good palate dark. cleanser. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. After the first one, because the first one, like even though yeah, the you first know, one was we, dark. yeah, the we just talked up the first one quite yeah. a bit, uh, you know, about how good it was, but it was very dark and it did fucking hit hard straight yeah. out the gate. Yeah. And this made for a very good palate cleanser. Right. Sort of a, re- a reset button almost. Yeah. There, there were a lot of good shots in this. Yeah. There's the uh, one of the, the shots towards the, the beginning. The beginning shot where, where you come, you, you just see him come over the horizon. Yeah, and you're just like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just fucking yeah, and that's says exactly it. <laughs> what happened. I was like, oh, well, yeah. you called that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, that there's also the shot where you see him step on a skull like out of the first Terminator. Yeah. Um, which is a nice little nod, you mm-hmm. know, to one of the sort of progenitors of modern sci-fi. Um. Overall, I did enjoy the episode a lot. I don't know that I would have it in my top, top two or three, maybe. I'd You're really entitled to your this. wrong opinions. <laughs> wow. Okay. You like Marvel movies, so I, you know, I don't care. Right. My, my opinion anything. is not valid. Yeah. Apparently. Um, it was very funny though, and it was. I think this would be the easiest episode to show someone who's not into like sci-fi. Right. Because it was almost like. Pixar for adults mm-hmm. in a way and, and I don't mean adults in like sexual situations or like right. extreme violence just like it was sort of like a Pixar movie but like with more uh, mature humor yes um, <laughs> one of the great parts is, of it is towards the end of the short where they're they sort of get a history lesson about mm-hmm. what's happened to the earth and to humanity uh, and they find out that there's they found this cat right and then they find out that at some point humans gave uh, a genetically engineered cast to have the ability to speak mm-hmm. and then the cat talks and they're freaking the fuck out about it yeah <laughs> i thought that was funny that was very funny yeah uh it's a great episode overall like i said since it's, it's so light there's not really for me at least uh you know the pretentious asshole there's not a whole lot to yeah dive the, into the, on there's it. not a, a deep dive uh, philosophical rabbit hole that you could go down i mean it's you, just a you, fun, it's just a fun episode yeah you, you could uh, potentially you know write a two-page essay on it uh, if you wanted to making some interesting points but for the most part like ted said it's it's very very light compared just to not just the the first episode but kind of uh, series overall yeah um and and uh, also like ted said it's a good episode to kind of show someone uh, like the opposite of the pig fucker episode from uh from black mirror you know uh it's it's basically like the opposite of that don't show that episode which to is, anyone which is weird because i'm not super into black mirror but that is Something that happened in the UK in UK politics is a uh, I guess a member of parliament got caught. Uh, Did they really having sex with an animal? Yeah, or maybe it was a rumor that got started about that person. But huh. yeah, that's that's very much something that was part of UK politics. Look it up, kids. You'll have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the uh, episode number three was the witness, and this one was kind of like a, a time loopy episode you you had a, a an interesting just like one sentence comment about it after we watched mm. it and I, I think you might have mentioned nietzsche yeah i said it was very nietzschean yeah um so one of one of his famous concepts that is kind of misunderstood is the eternal return or like time being a flat circle mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that this was created and written with that in mind right but that's what it sort of reminded me of so 
the the whole conceit of the episode is a woman is getting ready to go to work. She looks out her apartment window across the street and she sees uh, two people fighting, a man and a woman fighting. And the man ends up killing the woman. Right. And then she looks, or I'm sorry, the man looks and sees that she's seen it. Mm -hmm. And then he looks at the woman across the street. And it just happens to be the the same person that he just killed. They're identical. Um, It creates this whole big chase. She runs to her uh, boss's apartment slash club. He's like a nightclub owner. She's a dancer at the club, Mm -hmm. an exotic dancer. Uh, and of course the guy gives chase because he's trying to explain what happened right and the whole thing sets up like she's the protagonist she's running for her life we think mm-hmm. right uh, because he's gonna he's gonna try to eliminate her because she's the titular witness right, right. Um, as it turns out spoiler alert again if you didn't catch the first one she runs back and winds up in that same room, that same mm-hmm. hotel room that's his. And he walks in. She has a gun. And she walk. He walks in. Right. And they have another fight. Yeah. With the roles reversed. With the now. roles reversed this time, and she kills him. Then she looks up and sees his doppelganger mm-hmm. in the same window she was in at the start of it, looking down and seeing it. So that's why I said it's kind of, you know, a reoccurring thing. Or you could say it's very like purgatory. Right. Um, that's one of the that's one of the things that people say about purgatory is it's just like the same thing over and right. over and over, um, sort of like deja vu things like yeah. that. Um, this was one of my probably two or three favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. This this was definitely my uh, uh, excuse me in <clears throat> this was probably my favorite animated uh, uh, episode. The animation style was amazing, fucking it, awesome. It reminded me a little bit of Into the Spider Verse. Yes. It didn't necessarily look exactly the same, but it was very vibrant, very loud. It yes. had a lot of, um, on a, excuse me, a lot of sound effects that were written on like a comic book page. And Spider Verse mm-hmm. had that same thing, like boom, pow, clack. A lot like of that. the shots were very much taken out of uh, what you'd see in you know your like your typical panels. panels. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's very bright, very vibrant. It looked amazing. Right, and it's done in a. It's like if you were watching Blade Runner in the daytime. <laughs> yeah, I could kind of see that. Yeah, because it's still sort of that cyberpunk sort of yeah. dystopia. Not Dystopia is maybe not the right word because it looked like a fairly thriving city. Yeah, um, but it yeah, it kind of looked like a, a typical like J- Japanese or I was gonna uh, say like, maybe Chinese like Hong suburb. Kong maybe yeah. or, or Tokyo. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it's got a lot of like flashing billboards and video billboards and like neon lights and right. LED boards and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite the dystopia that like Blade Runner shows where it's all like dark and grimy and polluted. Exactly. But uh, definitely I could see where you're coming from by saying that. Right. Uh, as far as the animation, this was definitely my favorite of the bunch in terms of yeah. how it was presented. Yeah, it was pretty dope. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, the next one was suits uh, with the farmers with the mech suits and had probably the most high class security system of any farmers of all time ever. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, they, they were they were set up for, well, I'd say set up for success, but, you know, dude died. So, you know. Yeah. Poor, so Poor scarecrow building dude. <laughs> uh, so the... The whole concept is like, uh, and it shows this in the last frames of the of the short, where they're on like a foreign planet. They've terraformed mm. a foreign planet, right? 
and they have a huge dome uh, over the farmland. Right. So where it's like um, keeping these creatures out. Mm-hmm. But the creatures get these things that are like uh, wormholes, maybe, where they can break through and come into inside the dome. Mm-hmm. So the farmers have these mech suits, as, as he was saying. Yeah. I, I don't want to say this is one of the weaker episodes. It did not do a lot for me, though. I can see that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, 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 I don't necessarily feel the same way, but it didn't resonate with me as much as some of the other episodes did. Right. It, it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like, the animation is beautiful. Yeah. It's a very different style than, than the rest. Right. Um, it's done in a sort of... Uh, a, a lot of the characters looked almost like Disney characters to mm-hmm. me. In yeah. In the sense of, like, uh, they're drawn, like, the, the men are drawn very burly. Or right. The, well, the main, the main character is drawn very burly. He reminds yes. me a little bit of, like, um, how Gaston in Beauty and the Beast was drawn. Uh, or how John Smith and Pocahontas are drawn, very, very burly. Very yeah, kind of like how uh, they they drew the characters from The Incredibles. Like yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Incredible had the the very like you said burly, mm. you know, very big upper body, and right. then the uh, the female characters they had that kind of hourglass going on. Right, sort of like the the sort of traditional feminine uh, wide body, hips body shape. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you know that's that's all fine. I mean you know it that uh, it was kind of like it was almost like a wild card uh, a- animation style thrown in there because yeah. it, it, that animation style I don't feel like was repeated uh, no. in, in any some, of the other the episodes. Other, some of the episodes had very similar animation styles, right. especially some of the ones that were done to be more. Uh, they were obviously CG, but done to to be more realistic looking. Mm-hmm. Um. This one was sort of, like I said, like uh, it, it almost reminded me a little bit of like a Disney uh, character. Obviously, yeah. thematically and, and genre is very much different. But I don't know. This one was just kind of like, okay. Like I said, I, no. I don't think it was bad, but it just did, did, it did not do anything for me like a lot of the other shorts did. Yeah, I think it tried to play on uh, maybe the like the sad or sympathy card with the with that guy dying and, and the, right, them trying to yeah and, and trying to like tug on the the viewers heartstrings or whatever mm-hmm. but the the downside with that is the downside with um you know with these short story uh, anthologies the, format, right. is is like you are completely una- not completely but you know you for the most part you're unable to make this um, very firm connection right. with the it's characters. It's much harder to make an attachment because they're present for a much shorter period of time. Right, yeah. Uh, the the feelings are, are very much fleeting. Right. Where, uh, you know, you, you only get, obviously, a certain amount of time. And even though this was one of the longer episodes, mm. it, uh, you know, it, it still didn't lend you the amount of time that you needed in order to... Uh, really feel bad but i'm not saying that that was something that they were necessarily trying to do mm. i i think maybe they just threw that in there almost out of uh like necessity almost mm. or, or just out of tradition for right. for that kind of like uh, as far as the the way that the storyline progressed and how it was kind of this mixture of these adult themes but like 
you know, here comes the hero to sacrifice the, uh, himself yeah. for the the good of, you know, humanity and whatever. And I, I would say despite that, there are a couple of, well, I, I guess I think there's just the one character death actually in this one. Despite that, it's still one of the lighter episodes, mm-hmm. not in the sense of comedic like the three robots episode where right. that was like intentionally comical mm-hmm. um, just lighter in the sense of it's not nearly as heavy thematically as some of the other ones for sure um, so this would be a good one if, if you know someone who's into sci-fi but maybe not like into hard sci-fi or like bleak sort of nihilistic yeah themes this would be a good one that, that they'd probably be into right so uh, episode number five sucker of souls i personally don't have a whole lot to say on this episode mm. we i we talked through most of this one, and mm. uh, it was through. Uh, it was for a couple different things. One, we were trying to figure out if Seth Rogen was voicing yeah. <laughs> the the main guy. It was not, and, and it was not. And the other thing, I believe we were uh, we were talking about the animation, about how it, this was basically the first episode that had like a flare of anime thrown yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, this one reminds me a lot of like that 60s, 70s anime style. So like right. Speed Racer, Lupin mm-hmm. the Third, that, that kind of thing. Um, which is not a knock at all because I, right. I dig the hell out of that. And yeah. I kind of wish it would make a little bit of a comeback. Hopefully this kind of spurs that. We'll see. Yeah. Um, this episode was very different yeah. to the rest of the series. Yeah, it was weird. Um, not different bad necessarily, just some very surprising. So it's about vampires mm-hmm. um dracula in point of fact but, and but not dracula in the way that you might think right so a much more like animalistic demonic sort of dracula so mm-hmm. um all, which would be a much more anime influenced take on yes it. Uh, exactly so that makes sense so if you're going in expecting like the Bela Lugosi Dracula, very like posh and debonair, and you know, almost sort of monarchy. Um, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought this one was okay. I thought it was a cool take. I thought the animation was really awesome. But overall, again, like some of the other episodes, I was just like, mm. and I think a big part of that is because it was the the one episode that had almost no sci-fi leanings whatsoever. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, like I said, that's not necessarily a knock. It just felt out of place. One thing that I did really like about it was that the longer that the episode went on and the the longer that they they couldn't do anything to subdue this, you know, this Dracula or vampire creature, mm-hmm. the bigger physically it got. Yeah. And, uh, until they, what, wasn't it like a cat or something that... Uh, yeah what it was a cat yeah yeah, that they realized like it it was kind of like the the cross that almost yeah and then he uh dracula ran off and feared like a little punk yeah and Uh, and basically dissolved back into his you know very small self that mm -hmm. you know you you first saw him i think uh, in the first in the beginning of the the when they first find him yeah yeah i will say that the some of the strongest points of this episode were the characters Mm -hmm. oh yeah uh, particularly, I can't remember the character's name, but there's a woman. She's part of the mercenary team that, that this professor has hired to help him track down and yeah. like, presumably kill Dracula. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I thought she was very funny. She's written to be funny, yes. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of devil-may-care sort of attitude. Right. Um, you know, very sort of loose and, and jokey. Um, I mean, they, they were... She, 
mercenaries basically right, right so right. It, it it had that traditional kind of mercenary like you know the the chick is the you know the one that swears the most and right um, right um she wrote something like uh something smart ass to, there's a there's a part where they use c4 to try and blow up dracula and she wrote something smart ass on the on the explosive oh like, yeah like i can't remember what it was like regards wankers or something you know right. something to that effect something real real smart ass yeah but like i said the episode was so different in terms of both presentation and genre from the rest, it, it, it did feel out of place. Some of the overarching themes were there. Like, it's definitely a bleak episode. Mm-hmm. Everybody does die. Yeah. Uh, or at least it leads you to believe that. Uh, I don't think it as actually shows them. Correct. But it, it definitely if I remember leads you correctly. to believe that, like, they're fucked. Yeah. You know, um, so that sort of theme was, was there, but... It, it, it wasn't depressing, really. Uh, at least I, di- I didn't pick up on, on that. Like, I, I, yeah, up until that, it was almost, it reminded me, thinking about it now, it reminds me a little bit of, like, one of the 1940s sort of serials. The same things that inspired, like, Indiana Jones. Okay. Just done in a, as animated, number one, and then also done in a much more, like, mature way, like an adult-oriented way. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll echo a lot of what you said. You know, it was it was decent, and um, you know, it it was fine. Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't bad. I, like I said, it just it kind of felt out of place. I <laughs> I almost wish that this had been done as like a sixty minute short film unto itself. Yeah, because I think it's a cool concept. It just felt like I said, it just felt out of place. Yeah, absolutely. So the next one basically just came out of fucking left field. Right. <laughs> it was uh, when the yogurt took over. Yeah. And it was a entertaining episode. I think it, it was one of the shorter ones. Yeah, I think it was like five or six minutes. It wasn't very long. Yeah. It was ton- It was told, excuse me, uh, done told. It was told entirely through exposition. Yeah. Which obviously... It, 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 it bore a lot of resemblance to the other animated uh, episode, the um, what was it? The uh, the al- alternate histories, which right. of course we'll One we'll get to, we'll to. Uh, uh, as far as the duration right. of, of the episode. Um, so it's it's kind of, it's just a funny premise. So yeah, the funny the the thing about it is, it's kind of just a funny premise. So yeah. well, it's set up. As, what if what if yogurt took over? Right. So basically, yeah. It's that exactly. Somebody has created sentient yogurt, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, they, they were experimenting with this, and somebody stole it, and it became sentient. Right. And you see they've, um, they're have they making breakfast with it. Yeah. And then it pops up. They, they uh, The yogurt takes over their bowl of cereal or oatmeal or whatever it is mm-hmm. and spells out, like, we solved fission or we solved fusion. Do you want to know how? Question right. mark. And sure. so then, like, it's the... Right. <laughs> It's just progressively like yogurt taking over more and more of right, it's, the world. Yeah, it's like we want the world. Nah, we can't do that. All right, we'll we'll take Ohio. Right, and, so, <laughs> and, and, and the, both of us were just like, all right, that's a fair trade. You R- fuck, you fuck it, take it. <laughs> right, Columbus ain't that great. R- <laughs> I mean, it's got the Rock and Roll History Museum, that's which in Cleveland, but okay, which is in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know what, David. Fuck you with your backs. <laughs> um, right. So take, taking over may have been the wrong word. So it's not like a it's not like a hostile takeover. Like mm-hmm. he 
like David said, they negotiate to take control of Ohio. Right. Uh, once they were very diplomatic with the yogurt. Right. Yeah, right. Once once everybody sees how successful Ohio is under the tutelage or the, the leadership of the yogurt. Right. They basically take over the whole U.S. and the whole world. Yeah. Um, as lighthearted and kind of goofy as this episode is, it does raise some serious points very well. <laughs> right. Uh, one of the lines in the episode is like, you know, the yogurt wanted us, us being humans, to do this exactly as they have designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they should have known that we're too vain for that or right. something, you know. And that's when shit goes awry for the first time. Right. And then the uh, the end of the episode is actually the yogurt taking off and leaving Earth behind. <laughs> and the narrator is just like, bye yogurt. Right. I can't remember exactly how he says it, but basically he's just like, yeah, we're fucked now. <laughs> right. <laughs> um so like I said, it's a it's a very lighthearted episode, but it does it raises some good points, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and some very serious points. Yeah, yeah, I I liked it. I I thought it was entertaining and and funny, but like you said, it it's uh, it, there was there was a couple times where you're just like, wait, what what? Huh? Back up for a second. Right. I also kind of dug the animation style. If yeah. I can really quickly, it's done in a way that almost reminds me of like, um like children's toys everybody's done not not legos but something similar to that like little little block toys it reminds me a lot i can't remember what the show was it was a show when i was a kid um but they were like little peg people basically Mm -hmm. um so it it reminded me a lot of that the animation is very very good i felt very fitting for what it was right as well yeah I, i i enjoyed it thoroughly so uh the next one was beyond the aquila rifts i i think that's uh, how you pronounce Aquila or Aquila maybe I'm not 100% sure I, I think it's Aquila uh, either, either way uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of take the reins on this one and I'll chime in as we go mm. because I know that this one was high on your list yeah I, this might have been my favorite one mm-hmm. I think this is the most like sci-fi yeah episode right? absolutely like they're all definitely with the exception of like soul suckers and you could make an argument that a couple of the others is the first well. one that's in space, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one was awesome. Yeah. And again... Very wh- cool concept. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that. So like we were talking about earlier, this is a definite trope within sci-fi. So mm-hmm. it's about a group of um, uh, basically like interstellar truck drivers almost. They're right. out on a delivery mm-hmm. more or less. So they go into their containment pods for like hypersleep so they go through the the rift which is basically like a wormhole or ftl faster than light travel what have you right they wake up and a woman from the main character's past greets them Mm -hmm. and he's like what happened because he sees that like this isn't where we're supposed to be something's wrong and she's like, well, I got bad news, dude. You got bad directions because you're way out in the... I can't remember the name of the station, but it's like way off course. Like thousands of light years off course. Right. Come to find out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the twist is that they're even further out mm-hmm. in the depths of space. Right. But it is a level deeper. This uh, woman from his past... So it is the, it is something that's dredged out of his memory, mm-hmm. but it's not a real woman. It's a simulation, right? 
that's done by this alien queen, I guess you could say, on this like deserted station. Mm-hmm. They get into a big fight about it. And he's finally like, I want to see the truth. And she's like, well, you know, I, I really do care about you. And nobody's ever been able to handle the truth and this and that. And he finally convinces her to let him wake up. And he does. And you see their ship and everything. And it's all just like destroyed. It is it, not a good situation. It's a bad fucking deal. Right. Uh, his two crewmates are dead. Mm-hmm. Or I, it doesn't come right out and say that. But it looks like their pots are have broken and they're like, Mummified, like not mummified, but um, decomposing. Right. Is the word I was looking yeah. For. He also looks like he's he's his, having a bad day. Yeah. You know his hair is super long. Yeah, and he's like real gaunt because he hasn't been getting any nutrition and mm-hmm. all that. Um, and then he he hears that voice of this woman, and he looks, and coming out of this cave is this giant fucking beast. Right. And he just yells, and you think that that's what he kind of I think it blacks out at that point. Yeah. And you think that's going to be the end of the episode. But he wakes back up back in the dream. Mm-hmm. Like he's chosen this or she's made that choice for him. It's unclear. Yeah. So a lot of those things have been covered in other sci-fi uh, shows or movies or short stories or what have you. Like right. those are all tropes. But this was done in a very, I thought this was awesome. Yeah. You know, um, this is done in a very interesting way to me. The, the animation style was very good. This is one of the ones that is not... It's obviously not photorealistic, right? Because if you look at it, you can tell it's Mm -hmm. CGI. Yeah, I think this was pretty much the first episode. I mean, this was... Sorry, I keep on hitting my mic. uh, This was not only the first episode to take place in space, but I believe it was the first one where they... uh, Oh, no. uh, I guess it was... I guess The Witness might have been one where they, they... uh, filmed it and then painted over rotoscope yeah uh, but, I, i'm not sure which episodes were rotoscoped or not i know a few of them were i, I, but, I did read that but i didn't read but which this ones were. this is the like there's a, there's a couple episodes that mm. are filmed like this that are very realistic that look like um you know like cutscenes from a, a ps4 game if you were to look at this episode in particular if you were to kind of just be in the same room but not really paying attention to what it was on your screen and you saw it out of the corner of your eye maybe, you might be like, this looks real. Yeah. You know, especially some of the backgrounds mm-hmm. and some of the characters in the background. You're like, fuck. Right. Um, and then, like I said, you know, it, it does a close-up or they move or something and it's got right. that unnatural CG movement to mm-hmm. it. But um, this was probably my favorite out of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good one. It was for, you know, the time allotment that I got. It was uh, kind of a mind fuck. I will say that this is one of the few that I think would not benefit from being longer. Sure. I, th- I think it would be fairly easy to, to make this one, maybe not feature length, but like 60 minutes, you mm-hmm. know, or 48 minutes or however long a normal like network show is. Yeah. But I think this one was the tightest in its time. Yeah. Uh, I think it made the best use of its time. Yeah, for sure. And that it would be a disservice to try and spread it out and make it longer because it, it just hit... Like, each story beat hit exactly when it should, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like I said, I think this is the strongest of the bunch. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I I definitely agree with a lot of that. I, I felt like it was it was very strong. I, uh, I still don't know if it is my personal favorite. I, I don't think it is, but it is definitely up there for me. I, right. I, I think that it it earns its keep with within the 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 18 or 19 episodes that 
uh, that were within this series. Right. So I, I liked it a lot. Um, next up, we have uh, Good Hunting, which, let's see, that was... Which it was, one was it? It was a weird one. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this one. Uh, this was another kind of like... Um, Anime. This was like a Studio Ghibli style uh, type of large, animation. Large chunks of it, definitely. I yeah, agree with that. there was. A, it's like a Studio Ghibli meets steampunk, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially with uh, after uh, after the time jump, basically when you know he. Right. Uh, I forget how many years. It, it's a it's a decent jump, like maybe. T- I'd eight, say 10, eight, 10, 10 to fifteen years, maybe. Yeah, because it starts least. out and he's a. Not a child, maybe he's a teenager, young boy. A young boy, yeah, and, um, and he's clearly like a, a a young man, at least in his late teens, early twenties. I was going to yeah. say, I think he's probably around ten ish in in the first half or so of this episode, mm-hmm. and then after the time jump, he's yeah, I would say he's probably twenty ish. So maybe it's about ten years. Yeah, uh, but he he does grow up. The first half is definitely like a fantasy sort of for sure. Uh, fantasy in the sense of like the genre of fantasy yeah where it's uh him and his father they're hunting uh it's it's kind of like a like a a cat type uh uh, anamorph creature well like that's kind of doing a disservice to it so it's a chinese not just chinese a lot of asian you're talking to someone that doesn't watch a lot of anime so anime is from japan not china but that's all right so these have a lot of uh in Asian mythology, kind of across Southeast Asia and East Asia in particular, they have these creatures that are like, uh, I, I can't remember what they're called, but they're essentially women that can transform into an animal. Mm-hmm. And they're like similar to sirens in Greek mythology where they like men become obsessed with them and then they kill the men or like right. suck, suck you by as well. Um <clears throat> So his father is like a hunter of these creatures mm-hmm. and he's apprenticing his father essentially so they find one trail it back to its nest or home or what have you right where he is greeted by another one a younger creature that's more like his age Mm -hmm. and they develop a sort of a friendship i guess you, you could say yeah and then during the time jump uh it does show that like this universe is modernizing Mm-hmm. And it's done similar to, like, I would say it's definitely a nod to, like, the modernization of China. How it went from, um, like, a fantasy version of that. How it went from, like, an agrarian society and then modernized rapidly, you know? Yeah, for sure. This one modernized even more rapidly and, like David said, did become, like, a st- very, very steampunk, yeah. you know, aesthetic and universe. Um. She becomes a prostitute, essentially. I don't ever know. I I don't think that it ever like explicitly calls her that. Right. It's very heavily implied. Yeah. She she basically uh, hooks up with this big old dude with the big old hog, (laughs) and uh, uh, she's basically his his sex toy. uh, Yeah. uh, Almost. Uh, and so maybe what, maybe what it does seems, say that she's a prostitute in, in my, it, not in so many words. Uh, but it, it seems very consenting, uh, the the way that she describes, like when when she finds her way back to him. Mm. Uh, uh, well, up to a point. Yeah, 
And then the, that point is where he like drugs her and then right. turns her into a steampunk robot right. cyborg. Yes. Basically. And and at that point in time, it is no longer consenting. Yeah. It, it was, like I said, it was a strange one. Um, yeah. And in a show full of strange ones, that's saying something. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so he, he, she goes back to um, her friend who, the same boy from the beginning who's now grown up and he's become like a master tinkerer or mm-hmm. like engineer sort of. Right. For all this. And he, Completely changes her into a uh, a more fully realized cyborg, I guess, where she's able to transform back into her, I don't want to say demonic form, but demonic form, right. basically, and able to take vengeance and hunt again. That's, yeah. that's the whole conceit of it, is she, she can hunt men yeah. again. I thought that was a really neat wrap-up to yeah. the episode, not only... Uh, can can she you know seek vengeance uh, mm-hmm. against this dude but she, she's basically i mean she's she's making you know lemonade out of lemons where you know she's now you know in this irreversible state where you know she's mostly machine mm. and you know she she can't morph like she once could but you know what what they were like is you know Okay, well, we can make you basically fully robot, uh, and then you'll be able to morph again. She's kind of like the $6 million woman. Right. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't have a whole lot to say on it, but I thought uh, it, it was um, beautifully animated. and Yeah, it, it definitely, from an animation standpoint, it was beautiful. Um, not Again, not my favorite. I thought it was good. Yeah, um, but it did. It didn't really hit me like some of the other ones did. Yeah. Uh, so the next one was the dump, um, and this one was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. I, I, this, this I, is another I, one that was fairly light. Yeah, I, I'd say this was uh, the not as light as Three Robots. There was some heavy shit in this one too, but it's, it's right again. It, it like it's intention intentionally comedic. Yes, the, this is probably one of the very few, and probably only the it, it's the the f- if you were going to label them as humorous, this is the next one after three robots that I feel like it would be the comedic episode. I, I, uh, unless you disagree. Um, yeah, well, yes and no. So I definitely I mean, agree that it's, it's one of the most comedic ones. I mm-hmm. think for me personally, alternate histories was funnier. Uh, I, I'm, I'm mainly talking about as far as, uh, it, between, uh, like chronologically. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah between yeah, yeah, three yeah, yeah. robots yeah. and sorry. and this one. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I was trying to make that clear, but I'm 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 bastard garbage man. Your words. Yes. yes. Um but yeah, I uh I mean just straight out the gate, you know, dude squishes a, a, a already dead possum and you know, he right. goes to evict this dude who owns this massive junkyard with these you know, giant piles of garbage, mm. and the 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 idea. I feel like I need to spend a little bit more time thinking on. I'll definitely rewatch this episode because you know it, it gets repeated a couple times. Uh, that uh, I, I forget exactly how it goes, but it's something along the lines of like the garbage comes to you or the junk comes to you or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and um. I have a hard time wrapping my head around what that's supposed to mean, which is not a surprise because I'm stupid. Uh, but it, it was 
I kind of got the gist of what he was talking about. Mm. Um, And I also thought it was very interesting that this garbage demon pet thing that somehow, you know, um, formed itself. Yes. uh, In his junkyard and ate his friends somehow became his pet, you know, over time. And it falls apart if you look too deeply into it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, But it's... If you just take it at like surface value, if it's just like a funny little short, then yeah. it was fine. Um, again, not one of my favorite ones. I thought it was funny, and maybe if I watched it again, I would have a different opinion. But um, I just, like I said, it, it didn't do a lot for me. Yeah. Uh, the animation style, uh, I thought, was a lot of fun. It was probably also kind of had a Pixar feel to it uh, almost uh, sort of like a, a grimy yes a, yeah. a very uh, a, definitely a bit more gritty and so, grimy um, yeah imagine Wally except like done by you know nihilists I guess <laughs> yes yes that, that that's putting it uh, pretty well I yeah. think yeah um, so yeah I dug the animation on it. I thought the animation I thought this was one of the ones that had I thought the animation was very well suited to this story. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is like, in animation typically you have a set style and then you go with it. I feel like this one, they chose that style of animation because it's kind of funny. Yeah. You know, and I think it fits the tone of the story well where it's not, Yeah, ev- it, you know, you don't take it too seriously. Right. The The characters are very much car- car- caricatures, caricatures yeah. uh, of, of, you know of themselves of you know the the way that they're supposed to act like the the uh i i forget his name uh the the city inspector you know mm-hmm. that that shows up he's very much you know he he looks like a scumbag city inspector that you know that would basically come and you know from the codes department right of your metro area and he'd come write you up for you know parking in the grass uh, not speaking from personal experience or anything, but you know they they very much made him and Ugly Dave, which I'm considering changing my name to, uh, for you know more than one reason. Uh, they made them look like dirtbags, uh, very much in in the sense that, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It it, it they just the animation like like you said was very fitting for how they they acted and how you would kind of picture these people like if if you were to say kind of if you were to write them down on paper and be like this is the characteristics of these these two characters you could almost envision like the animation style so yeah yeah i i dug the animation a lot but overall like i said the short was it was fine it didn't mm-hmm. really didn't do much for me sure so the next one uh number 10 was uh shapeshifters and this one was interesting it yeah. was it was kind of really a, it, it was a standalone type of as far as the the right. idea behind it uh, I, I mean the the animation style uh followed suit with uh, beyond the Aquila Rift and a couple others, mm-hmm. where it is very realistic, right? But it, uh, it was the only one with werewolves, right? And and this, and, this one was 
similar to Soul Suckers in that it was more horror based yeah. than sci-fi. Yes, because uh, like you said, it is about werewolves. Mm-hmm. It's about an alternate reality that is very much like our own. Mm-hmm. So the Marine Corps is still at war in the Middle East. Right. Uh, however, they have werewolves. Yes. And I don't know that the intention was for this to be like a ham-fisted analogy, but there are some like speciesism, I guess would be the word. So like werewolves are basically considered, they're like treated mm-hmm. like second class citizens. And, yeah. You know, basically there's there's a couple of lines where just like, you're not a man, you're a fucking dog or something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you get the feeling that uh, they... Uh, the the higher ups in the military had no choice but to let them come in either e- like either you know the people above them made them deal with this situation uh, because the their higher ups put you know these werewolf dudes maybe it was kind of like a necessary evil that they had kind of like to, they're a useful tool yeah but yeah. but you you've uh, through obviously through uh, through the conversations especially in the mess hall when you know they were yeah, they were having very clear that they're not respected or welcomed right yeah. that that they're like you know we we don't really want you here we we kind of understand why you're here but like we we don't want to treat you as human because mm-hmm. humans can't run his face it, it, it almost felt like like a, a different he version said, uh, of like the steroid uh kind of conversation where you know you you find out that you know these these athletes are you know taking steroids and it almost takes the wind out of your sails with you know kind of respecting them as as athletes when you know i don't know you kind of get where i'm going with this a little bit like I said, I don't know that it was designed to be like an analogy or analogous to like race relations, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was, it was very ham-fisted and done very poorly, in my opinion. I, but again, like I've I said numerous times, I don't like to assume author intent. Right. And I'm not saying that that's what it was. I'm saying that if it was that, that was a shitty way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I... I don't want to say that I I disagree with with that, uh, bec- or not disagree with what you just said. I I I feel like that wasn't the intent. Right, and I I don't think I don't know that it was either. Yeah. Right. I, I don't assume that it was because you would think that it could be done in a much better way. Yeah. Um, I will say though there is some growth by one of the characters who in the mess hall is giving them shit. Hmm. It's actually kind of like a double switch in a way because that character grows to begrudgingly respect one of the werewolves, I guess. He's he's one of the ones that like nods and lets him out at the yep. end of it when he's leaving. Yeah. And the other character who is his superior officer goes from accepting to like tell him you're just a goddamn animal. Right. You know, they should have never let you in. You, you know, you're you're not natural basically. Right. Um. Uh. The werewolf fight was fucking dope. Yeah. To to come back yeah. down to lighter fare. Yeah. Um, the whole conceit is like they find another werewolf that's uh, an Afghani mm-hmm. citizen. Um. And just like a it's it's actually two werewolves that are like um, Afghani's and there's like a three werewolf fight and mm-hmm. I I fucking love werewolves. I wish that they would get some more. Like we've had vampires out the ass. We've had zombies until I never want to see another fucking zombie in my life. Yes. 
And we haven't had a good werewolf movie since like 19 fucking 32. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, this this was a breath of fresh air, not just for this series, but uh, just in general, because I, I also dig werewolves. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, they're cool and it's um, it's just a, a very interesting concept. Yeah, that was a bit of hyperbolic because there have been good werewolf movies since then, like an American werewolf in London was really sure. good. Sure, yeah. But... Uh, that fucking scene where he he goes to uh, I, I don't know if it was to rescue um, after you know his friend go uh, with right with the you so know they go to ten a, or a eleven other base, yeah and then in the middle of the night there's like a firefight over there so he goes up there as part of a, a rescue slash support effort I guess right realizes that everyone's dead yeah goes through Br- brutally and brutally right like dismembered and, yes and shit. faces it's, are smashed yeah. heads are smashed it's bodies scene, are smashed man. yeah it is not a good look for anyone yeah uh, this was one of the more graphic yes episodes in terms yes. of violence now they all definitely earn their tvma rating or yeah i think all of them do mm-hmm. uh, maybe a couple of the ones like the day the yogurt took over is not I don't think there's really anything objectionable right. in, that, in terms of language or violence or sexuality. I don't uh, think there was uh, anything in uh, Three Robots either. I mean, aside I think from... there was some language in that one, but... Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> either way, yeah. Um, but yeah, this one definitely earns it because of the violence. Uh, the werewolf fight was dope. Let's get more of that. Hollywood, uh, Netflix, whoever is listening, I have ideas. Right. Call me. Yeah, do it. Call me. Yeah. All right, uh, number 11 was uh, Helping Hands, and that was uh, Gravity, if it was shrunk down to 10 minutes, and good. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I am a fan of George Clooney. I'm not a fan of Sandra Bullock. Uh, Damn. But, Sorry, Sandy. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you were great in Speed. After that, I don't think I really liked you in anything. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about your many, 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 many failures. Right. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so basically, Helping Hand is just 10 minutes of um, this girl floating in space trying to get back to her pod. And she literally breaks her arm off, and yeah. as uh, an attempt to get herself back into the trajectory of, of flying to her pod, right. she she you know throws her own arm to try and push herself in the opposite direction. Right. So let's, let's back up a little bit to get to that point. She is part of a well. She set up as like a repair to to. She's sent up to do repairs right. on a satellite. Yeah. And you're you, basically just dropped into this. Right. Like, and I'm right. And so you kind of just put that together because she's in space in a pod and she has a wrench. Right. Basically. Yeah. Um It zooms way back and it shows this screw in orbit. Mm-hmm. And it zooms up. And of course, when you first see it, it's it's moving, it doesn't look like it's moving very fast. Right, because you're relative to it, so you're the camera. The scene is moving at the same speed, mm-hmm. and then it flies forward because you snap back to around and realize, oh, it's in orbit, which means it's thousands and thousands and thousands of miles per hour, right? Um, and hits her suit, so she gets disconnected from um, her perch, I guess, on this satellite she's repairing. It also damages her suit, 
so she's lost functionality to uh, like her boosters to keep her stable or stabilized and all that. It's also depleting her oxygen tank. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, well, just stay cool. We're going to send a rescue team. They'll be there in like 55 minutes. And then it pops up on her helmet. And she's, got, she's like, got like 12 minutes of oxygen, 14 right. minutes of oxygen. And she's yeah. like, well, I'm fucking going to die. That's right. dope. You know? Yeah. Um, so back to what David was saying. She, right. she, she basically like, pa- uh, does she, uh, does she, doesn't she like pass out or go to sleep or something like that for a yeah. second? But yeah. and, and then like kind of wakes up and- or, or she, Something something weird happened. Some some I, I, short I passage she, of time where uh, she, I don't know that she like falls asleep or passes out. I think she's just kind of like accepting her fate. In right. A way. Yeah. But then she's like, "Oh, idiot!" She tourniquets her arm and then takes off the lower half of her sleeve on her spacesuit. Mm-hmm. It of course freezes. Yes. Like um, liquid nitrogen style. Mm-hmm. And then she breaks the bottom half of her arm off. Right. Uh, what else do, do we want to say? Anything else on helping hand? Uh, maybe <laughs> no, it's I got think, one of one you... of the funniest uh, and more appropriate titles, episode yeah. titles. Uh, I, I think you pretty much nailed it when you're like, it's like gravity, except good. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty, that was pretty spot on. Pretty yes. Funny. Okay. So uh, the next one was episode 12 fish night, which I really dug. I thought that, uh, the animation style was a bit different from everything else and um, just the overall idea of the episode and you actually kind of had to shed some light on the the idea behind the episode and and what exactly happens because I uh, of course you know it's about two salesmen who get stuck in the desert and they are um, you know, night comes and, you know, they're just kind of waiting for someone to show up and, and help them out. Right. And the car breaks down. Right. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the, uh, what he seems like an older salesman, uh, older yeah. or older than, you know, the other guy. And, you know, he talks about how that, uh, this desert used to all be an ocean basically. Seafloor. Yeah. Yes. And, then nightfall comes and it becomes the ocean basically right he hasn't he has a line um when he's talking about that uh towards the beginning well i guess closer to the beginning episode where he says like hey this whole desert used to be the sea floor basically right he was like you know if if ghosts can haunt places they were why can't the ghosts of animals or their animal spirits or what have you like still be here yeah i i thought uh I'm trying to find a way to put this. The the idea behind this episode I thought was fucking cool. Like yeah. I really dug just about everything in this episode and and kind of going back to you shedding some light on this. I wanted to take this at like face value, I guess, where like I, I was like I don't understand how the dude dies and <clears throat> Um, and yeah, yeah, because uh, he gets eaten by a shark, by what I think is supposed to be a megalodon. Yeah. Which doesn't make a lot of sense because the other creatures were like going through him. One of the other creatures went through him like like a ghost would. You right. Know? But he was able to touch like a jellyfish. Yeah. And then the shark ate him. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, basically I was trying to take it uh, very allegorical. Like, I, I thought that this was kind of a dream and they were going to, like, wake up uh, mm. or, or something like that. But this was actually happening. Like, they, you know, the, f- from what I could gather, like, you know, they, you know, they're 
you know, nightfall comes and all of a sudden they're basically surrounded by ghost fish uh, right. and he actually gets eaten. Like it, it, it came off to me as like an acid trip almost or, or, yeah. or an acid trip or tripping on mushrooms or something like that. And so that's why it confused me that it, you're kind of led to believe that the dude actually died. Mm. And so I, it left me very confused, but the way that you explained it, it very much it helped me realize that you know it's you kind of have to put in context of everything else right. in the series where it's um, yeah it can be allegorical but for the most part you know you kind of have to roll with what you're seeing how it's screen. presented right yeah so what I took from it and again this is just me right this is just what I got out of it I don't know that it's necessarily what the author intended or, or anything like that. I think that they both died and that the whole like fish spirits or whatever I think are the older salesman's like dying visions. Hmm. So he mentions like spirits at the beginning of it. I think there's a line where he's like nobody's coming for us out here. You know, we're going to have to walk back to town. Mm. But then it shows them that whole day just, like, hanging out at the car with no water, with nothing. Yeah. Uh, night falls. So, I don't know if maybe he's, like, dehydrated and this is a result of, like, that. His mind's yeah. tricks on him. Mm-hmm. I kind of took it as, like, they died. And him seeing the Megalodon eat his junior salesman um, was, like, his mind's way of accepting that the guy was dead right um yeah that's again that's just kind of what i got out of no it. I that's know that that's it but uh, that that's a neat way of looking at it uh, i i think that's pretty uh, pretty accurate to uh, the you know the, the intents i think it ties ties in fairly neatly with the you know he's talking about spirits at the beginning of it so why else would he see them if they weren't dead right you know um just kind of what I got out of it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't really have a whole lot more to say on... This, this is one of the shorter episodes, too, I think. But Yeah, it was Yeah, it was 10 minutes. Yeah, the animation is really beautiful. Yes. Uh, the colors of the spirit fish and, like, basically when it goes from day to night, the colors yeah. really pop and it's beautiful. Yes, very beautiful. Um, I, I had a, a lot of fun watching this. Uh, I mean, like, you could... It almost reminded me of the underwater episode of BoJack Horseman, yeah, where you I could, could kind of where you that, could yeah. almost like turn off the sound and the subtitles and just mm-hmm. kind of watch it, and right. you'd still get something out of it. Uh, I, I'd I'd be interested to, to see how how effective that would be if it wouldn't be or not. I could be right. wrong, but um, but yeah. Uh, anyways, so. Uh, it, it, Actually, I have one thought. It reminded me a little bit, once the color started hitting, it reminded me a little bit of 2001. Oh, yeah? A little bit. Okay. Uh, especially the scene of, like, the wormhole and the colors and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know that it was done as, like, an intentional nod, but it was sort of similar. Sure. Than I thought. But, yeah. anyway, go, moving on, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. So, uh, next is uh, episode 13, which was Lucky 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even realize that until now. Right. Uh but this, uh, I I enjoyed this one. This was another one that took place in outer space, sort of, uh, kind of. I I mean, uh, yeah. I don't okay. know that it ever mentions that it's like on a foreign planet, but I think it is. Yeah. 
you're kind of led to believe that you know I, I mean they're they're fighting things that aren't human right this reminded me a little bit of starship troopers um I'm so glad that you said that because <laughs> I was watching it and I was like I never really dug starship troopers a whole lot but it gave like it it made me think of Starship Troopers. Mm. I don't know why, but uh, maybe it was like the actual, like their ship. Uh, but uh, I'm, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I dug it a lot. I, yeah. I thought it would, I mean, it's, it's probably the least downer episode um, and, and yeah. has, has probably the most positive ending. Which is weird because it starts out so, you with, know, it's with called Lucky death, 13, basically. right? And basically, uh, it's about this new recruit, a lieutenant whose name escapes me. Uh, she is joining this squadron, and the tradition of this squadron is like the new person gets the ship that nobody wants. Right. And for this squadron, it's the ship that's designated 13. Yeah. Because it's gone on, I think, two missions yeah, and, and lost the ship both has, times. Yeah, the ship has come back. Um, Soulless. Yeah, not necessarily unscathed, but yeah, the ship like comes back. Like the whole crew back died with, yeah. on these missions. So she gets stuck with it, and the ship has like, um, I guess AI sort of. It, it, it this was also a lot like two thousand and one, where in two thousand and one it shows you what Hal sees, yeah, right. This shows you what the ship sees, but it's all green with like data, right, um, like data readouts and everything. It doesn't ever speak or anything like Hal does. Uh, but it shows that it has a little bit of personality, I guess. Yes, and, and it's definitely aware that. to a a, a, a to large a extent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and anyway, she pilots the shit out of it, basically. Yes. And turns it into, like, you know, it goes from Lucky 13 being, like, a negative connotation, like, superstitious, to being, like, hell yeah, Lucky 13. Yeah, you know, yeah people like want to be luck. on this shit. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and she's basically, like, the leader of the, the squadron, right? I, I mean... But, of of that ship at least she's like she's the pilot and like leader of, of yeah. that but um you know there's a scene where her commanding officer is like we're getting some new sh- machines in you should ship up and she's like no no this one's mine it's my bucket of bullets right you know um then it all goes bad on the last mission basically <laughs> yeah um uh, that that self detonation uh scene is in my opinion what made the episode yeah uh, i was the, like man this episode's kind of not great it's not bad up to that point uh, up to that point i mean is what i was yeah, thinking yeah. i was like this, this is anything interesting gonna fucking happen <laughs> right yeah i mean like it was uh, it was a you know an okay story uh i mm. mean not necessarily anything original or, or groundbreaking right but it, it was it was entertaining to me because i you know i like spaceships and stuff mm. obviously star wars uh but um, you know, when it got to that point, I, it was about to be a very eye rolling moment because it's, it's the cliche of, you know, someone, you know, getting behind a rock or something like that. And they got the de- detonator in their hand and they're clicking it and they're like, huh, what's going on? And, you know, they click it again and then all of a sudden it explodes. And I was thinking something very similar was about to happen, but what was really happening was that, the ship was aware that all these fucking aliens or whatever right. were like, you know, crowding Tanking on, and, yeah. on the ship. Uh, and you know, she was like screaming, get off my ship. Uh, right. get off my lot. She became 
Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino, and it right. blew up. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it it blew up a and shit ton of destroyed, aliens. Yeah, destroyed all the enemy combatants or aliens or Titan yeah, whatever or they were. I mean, uh, I, and, I and saved every all of the good guys. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I thought that was that was good. You're right. I think it saved it from being a total eye roll kind of moment. Yeah. Again, it wasn't my, one of my favorite episodes, but mm-hmm. it did get significantly stronger at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next one was uh, episode 14, Zima Blue, which I thought was really cool. Uh, what, what, what did you think of this? We This was very different. Yes. The I, animation I especially. Right. I, I don't think... I don't mean it in a bad way. Different different doesn't mean bad. It just means it's, it's very different. This one is one of the ones that broke from the kind of overarching themes, I yeah. think. Some of them were present. Some of them were definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, the animation is really interesting in this one. Very, uh, very like uh, polygonal. Right. At first, it reminded me a lot of how Aeon Flux looked. Really? If you remember Aeon Flux from the early 90s on MTV, because I'm old. So I remember <laughs> that. It reminded me a lot where, like, um, the characters are all, like, super lanky, super long yeah. limbs, and stuff like that. Yeah. But it doesn't really look like. Th- it doesn't really it's not really drawn the same way other than that mm-hmm. so like it's it's drawn in a very cartoonish sort yeah. of way it reminded me a little bit of like the Teen Titans show that okay. was on Cartoon Network for a long time yeah um, in, in the sense of like the characters are all they have they're all very exaggerated mm-hmm. um, and again that's part of the Eon Flux as well where they have super long limbs and all that but right um, I thought the animation style really fit this episode well yeah too the twist I thought was really well done yeah it's kind of two twists in one I guess um, where this this episode the titular character Zima Blue is, a, is an artist mm-hmm. and this is supposed to be like his greatest creation yeah he has allowed a reporter to interview him this is the first time he's spoken to anyone in like a hundred years yeah. so she does a bit of background on him and finds out that he was like a man mm-hmm who basically had a lot of like cybernetic work done and is now a more machine. You're right. So that's how he's able to live for so long. Right. Um, she goes and she's interviewing him and she's like, what is this pool? And that's when he explains like, I've always been a machine. Mm-hmm. He, start, he started out as basically like a pool Roomba. Yeah. And then was added to and developed like sentience and, right. and became alive in, in, a philosophical sense mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting and really well done um, and he was basically like yeah so I'm going to fill the pool up with blue uh, blue water you know and I'm going to dive in and then I'm going to shut myself down and go back to my original form yeah um, which I was like that's kind of a cool concept yeah it is very uh, a very much like a philosophical right. kind of concept where you, we could dive much deeper mm. into into this and we won't be for, you know... The, a variety of reasons. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but especially uh, for brevity. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I thought that this one was was pretty awesome. I, I, I dug it a mm. lot. Um, uh, like I said, the, the animation, it kind of stands out amongst the others as uh, pretty much the only episode that that was animated this way yeah um and i, I know uh, uh 
up until uh, now and, uh, and for the rest of the episode, whatever, uh, we haven't really discussed any of the animators and I know that was kind of one of our disclaimers yeah. is that we uh, we haven't really done the research uh, as uh, to, to give any of these animators credit so I, like I said I, I may you know throw out a blog post here in a week or two um, kind of expanding on uh, almost like a uh, like an episode piece. yeah a episode like you know supplement um, to to kind of give some credit because I very it's very much, well deserved yes uh, for basically all these uh, they they all deserve it because I mean it's not just um, you know David Fincher and um, uh, and Tim Miller uh, Tim Miller you know just doing all these it's a bunch of different people mm-hmm. um, so yeah uh, the next one uh, episode fifteen was Blind Spot. And I really don't have a whole lot to say on this one. I mean, it was it was okay. Uh, I mean, it was basically the, you know, those, um, uh, this the cyborg crew. They try and go uh, rob a rob, convoy, rob, rob a convoy and get a a microchip. Yeah, it's um, it was okay. Yeah, um, the art style reminded me a lot of heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And you could say that this is basically like heavy metal for this generation, even though I think heavy metal magazine is still very much a thing. Yeah. Um, it was it was decent. I mean, it wasn't groundbreaking or anything. It was it was interesting and um, not bad. It had this also had sort of a happy ish ending in that they succeed, and he finds out that even though he thinks his compatriots have all died, like they were downloaded their brains or their memories were downloaded to a computer so they could just be basically put back together and and be alive again right um but it was it was all right it was it was kind of short and there wasn't really a whole lot going on it was literally just like the first scene is them on their atvs chasing this Right. truck and then they're like we're gonna rob it and then they robbed it and that was kind of it <laughs> yeah we can kind of lump this one and episode 16 ice age uh into kind of the the same breath where they i don't know if dull is the right word because they they both had you know certain interesting aspects but um ice age you know it, i mean it was the only one that had you know um live action in it yeah uh to i mean it still had animation of course in Mm. their you know little icebox freezer fridge thing but i feel like nothing really happens i was so disappointed in this episode in ice age yeah because i think it's such a cool concept and they just like didn't do anything with it yeah in my opinion um yeah, it, it kind of, it it fell flat a little. Yeah. Um, I mean, acting t- was bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sorry because I'm pretty sure it was Topher Grace and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. At least one of those people can act. Yeah. Uh, Miss Winstead, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's it almost seemed like they didn't want to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, yeah. Um, they just seemed like they just phoned it in completely. Uh, like I said I thought it was an awesome concept it's basically like uh, I I guess they're a a couple yeah they They just just moved into this place they just moved in together to this place and they find out 
he uh, Topher Grace's character finds an ice cube. He gets an ice cube for his drink, and he looks, and there's like a uh, a mammoth yeah. frozen in it. Um, and then they look in the ice box, and there's like a, a self-contained world right. in their ice box. And then it just shows basically them watching it, you know, evolve. Right. And they have a path similar to humans, and then they actually go farther than humans have gone so far to get to the, the sci-fi aspect. Like I said, I thought it was an awesome concept that it was just fucking boring. Yeah, it's yeah, just kind of dull. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was. Um, and I mean, I it sucks to kind of say it out loud yeah. because, like, when I when I read the you know the the short and blurb on it on Netflix, and then I watched it, like I was kind of getting into it, yeah. and then when it ended, I was like. I was like, I was like, um, that was okay. And then, you know, I kept going. And then, of course, you you came over earlier and I rewatched it with you when, uh, for you watching it the first time. And I was like, that really wasn't as great as I thought it was yeah, last like night. Like I said, I think it's an awesome concept, but just, they just don't, it does not, it's not executed well. I yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's move on before we shit on it <laughs> even more. Uh, number, uh, episode number 17 was alternate histories. Uh, and this one was pretty damn hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so this is basically, um, fantasizing about different ways to kill Hitler. <laughs> well, yeah. So the, the whole construct of the episode is basically like, um, it's like a mobile app where you can yeah. you can toy with history. You can toy with history. Hence the title, Alternative Histories. And um, they were like, it's like a demo almost of what they yeah. can do. And they're like, our most popular uh, alternative history is what if Hitler died X way? Yeah. And it shows like, there are six ways that we have prepared for you to view in this demo, more or less. And then yeah. it shows, and they just get increasingly more bizarre and absurd and surreal. Right. And... Um, which this episode add, adds to the humor, of right? It. Which it makes it even funnier. I am going to go on record. I think I'm comfortable going on record saying that anything that shows Hitler dying in absurd ways, I'm all on board with. Yes, yeah, uh, including having a pineapple shoved up his ass in uh, Little Nicky. I was going to say I don't remember that in this episode, but <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the funnier ways is uh, there's a couple that are really funny. One of them is he gets killed by a jello gun. <laughs> so all of a sudden out of nowhere, like this huge jello mold falls on him and kills him. And then it's like, he was killed by a ge- uh, gelatin uh, launcher right. designed by the SARS of Russia. And I was like, that was, I don't know what about that was so funny to me. But yeah, you I was, busted out I laughing. I fucking busted a gut. I was yeah. dying at that. Yeah, I was like, are you sure it wasn't Jim Halpert? Right. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. Damn it, Jim. Uh, All right, what, what's going on? What, what seems to be the problem? He put my stapler in Jello again. He put the Fuhrer in Jello. <laughs> uh, yeah, which, I love it. I, in the very next death, he like runs away and then like the Jello nearly misses. Right. Um, that that was really funny. Uh, the, I think it's the next death or one of the ones right around that he actually literally gets fucked to death yes by these uh, Viennese the, uh, prostitutes yeah from it's, another dimension right that's what it was they're like time travelers or something from another dimension and right. they were sent back to fuck him to death right <laughs> yeah uh, and, and they don't land on the moon until like 1996 or something right, and like then, that. Right. And then it's uh, Janine Linda Mueller's a yes. famous porn star from the 90s. <laughs> now that I know that I'm a good Catholic boy. Right. Yeah. uh but it's just it's a funny episode it doesn't take itself too seriously right um yeah and even though it's about killing a person in six different ways it's done hysterically Mm -hmm. and another great joke 
is at the very end of it where they're like, we also have Lincoln, and it's what if Lincoln shot first? Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was a beautiful yeah. uh, um, and ending to that episode. And it's it's also a good nod to the Star Wars debate of Han or Greedo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Was, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I thought that was cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't even pick up on that, but yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Uh, just the picture of Lincoln, like, from the... The five dollar bill, right? And then he, and, and and then just it, a gun pops he pulls out. out a revolver and cocks it. It's <laughs> yeah. so good. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. All right, and then the last episode, number eighteen, which is Secret War, and this one was, it was pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed I, this. One quite I liked a bit. it. It was, it was probably. I felt like this one had like, uh, not out of all of them, but it had a lot going on in in a relatively small period of time. I mean, it, it was, you know, 16 minutes, which mm. is the it longest. It was one of the longer of, ones. Yeah. Uh, uh, it wasn't the longest. I mean, there's a couple that run 16 minutes. Mm. But uh, they fit, you know, quite a bit of uh, story yeah. into yeah. into 16 minutes. Um, and, it, of course, it follows the same animation style as um, uh, your favorite, the, the um, Be- Beyond the Akilah Rift mm. and... Um, helping hands and, and and it's done in a very realistic sort of animation. Yes, style. which I, I thought was you know pretty fitting. Um, because you know they they did a lot of things that um, I thought were were appropriate for it. Like um, you know just having you know very gruesome deaths mm-hmm. and the explosions and stuff. It, it you know of course you can do that with any kind of you know animation style, but I thought it uh, it. it did it a service by having it realistic right out of all the episodes i think this is the one that i would most like to see as a full-length feature okay i I think this is probably one of the strongest candidates yeah to have it it Um, be a full-length feature it's not i don't know that i would call it like groundbreaking or breathtakingly original or anything so it's about a, a squad of Soviet soldiers, so Red Army soldiers, mm-hmm. that are on a secret mission, um, and you basically find out that some of the, I guess, leaders of the of, of the Soviet Union tried to make a deal with the devil in right. a way. They and summon, summon some, some demons. <laughs> um, so basically, they're like tracking these things, and they find the motherload, right? Like the like patient zero or or their home location or whatever. Yep. Uh, put up a last stand and then send one of their youngest, the youngest member of the squad, mm-hmm. you know, to tell, to tell home base or whatever, bomb the fuck out of this place. Right. And then that's the end of it. It shows them bombing it. Yeah. Which I thought was a beautiful ending. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, aesthetically and, um, just to wrap up the, the episode and, and, and the, the series. series. Yeah, yeah. Cause that was the last episode that was presented. Yeah. Because the bombing episode or, uh, part of, uh, or the, you know, that ending, it was only maybe five seconds. It wasn't uh, very long at all. Yeah. yeah it was very short. I, it, it was long enough to, oh, it, I mean, it was long. Across. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, you, you saw, you know, it was a very wide open shot of, you know, you see clearly everyone died. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, all these creatures are still climbing up the, the hillside and, you know, feasting on the remains of all these people. And then it 
pans up to the sky and they are all severely fucked. Yeah, there's a shitload of planes that yes. drop a shitload of bombs. Right, and and then it just kind of cuts yeah. and I, I thought that was a beautiful wrap up to that, that episode yeah. and like we said, the series. It, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Metro 2033, I think it's called, which was okay. originally a novel. Um, it, it's set in the future whereas this was set in past obviously with it being the soviet union um it reminded me a little bit of that so they're not demons in uh, metro 2033 they're creatures of some sort but it reminded me a little bit of that just because obviously the parallels are like it's both russia um they're both non-human creatures they're fighting you know it's 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 got some similarities right i'm not saying that it aped metro by any stretch i'm just saying it's Mm -hmm. sort of similar reminded me a little bit of that as well as um some sort of pulp stuff like pulp comics or pulp yeah. fiction you know not not the movie pulp fiction but like literal like pulp fiction yes um but out of all the shorts this one was the one that i would be like this would make an awesome full-length film yeah for sure uh, because there's enough going on that it's it could be easily fleshed out mm-hmm. they it could would, give some characters a backstory right and, you um, could you could go a little bit more into what led up to this and all that right um, but it was very good and i would say it's maybe tied with with uh a cool rift is my favorite yeah um it's very good yeah yeah it's uh i i watched it for the first time uh earlier today and I was like, eh, it's all right, pretty good. And uh, when I watched it again with you uh, earlier this evening, I uh, f- I don't know, for whatever reason, it had the opposite effect of, you know, one or two of the other episodes where it kind of cleared things up. And I was like, eh, it wasn't as great as I thought. Like, it, I was it like, fuck, like, yeah. like, this was awesome. Like, it, it's very good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I thought that, like I said, it was a, a great wrap up to that episode and the series as a whole just yeah it kind of like a you know a cleansing of you know cleansing fire yeah (laughs) cleansing fire (laughs) yeah all right well that was fun uh i i hope that they uh they bring back uh more episodes you know season two or whatever i know um tim miller is busy finishing up terminator i don't remember what it's called but the the next terminator film that's supposed to come out this fall or this winter uh, so I'm sure he's busy with that. Um, David Fincher's got God knows what going on. A million things. A million at once. things. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, he's uh, he's probably working on uh, Mindhunter season two. Oh yeah, that's right. He's got Mindhunter going on. So, um, but I I dug the hell out of this series. Yes. Um, even the weak points weren't super weak. Mm-hmm. You know, they were fairly good as uh, even even the worst episode was still pretty good they kind of served as like ebb and flows uh, of a uh, of a series if it wasn't um uh an anthology series right um i would say overall if you're into um heavy metal magazine or the heavy metal movies heavy metal and heavy metal 2000 i think it was Mm -hmm. um you'll probably dig this if you're into sci-fi you'll probably dig this um it is very brutal Yes. There is a lot of gratuitous violence and nudity. Yes. Both male and female. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's a decent... I'm not going to go there. Uh, There's a lot of... There's a lot of... It earns the TVMA. 
Right? Yeah. There's a lot of language, for a lot sure. of gratuitous nudity. There's a lot, uh, both male and female. There's a lot of violence. Some of it's very over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's still very violent, but a little more, I guess, realistic. It's not really the best word, but done in a more real way than some of the more over the top and gruesome violence. Right. Um, so, you know, definitely not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. But I dug, like I said, I dug the shit out of this. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm I very thought it was great. For more episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I'm very excited, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some some cosplay at at, uh, at a convention of any of these characters. Yeah, some of them, some of the characters you could do very subtle cosplays on. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see. I think um, I would say probably the robot, one of the robots from Three Robots, the the most humanoid looking one, I guess, would probably be an easy cosplay. Yeah. Uh, not easy, easy is the wrong word, not to be denigrating of it, but mm-hmm. um, one of the more easy, easily recognizable ones, I yeah. guess. Uh, and I think that that character would be very popular just because it's a comedic character. Right. You know, so um, that would be one that I think would probably pop out as one that you'll see. One thing that I, I wanted to point out, I meant to point this out uh, during... Uh, our discussion on three robots but you know they talked about uh, the the game exploding kittens and i thought it was funny because i i own that game and i i actually got got the chance to back it on kickstarter whenever he um you know uh, i mean it was written uh co-written and designed by um, it, it was fully illustrated by Matthew Inman, who is the illustrator of the Oatmeal comics, and it was um, it was fun to see you know that that title drop in there uh, from you know and I'm sure that he greatly appreciated it, but it was it was cool because you know at the time where you know Exploding Kittens was on Kickstarter, it was like the most backed uh, card game of all time on, on, on Kickstarter, which I thought was kind of, kind of neat. And, you know, it's cool that, you know, he got that recognition sort of, you know, as far as them, uh, talking about the game in part, but yeah, anyways. So yeah, cool. That, that wraps up, uh, this episode and, we got, uh, of course, we got um, part three uh, of uh, the hashtag Road to MTAC uh, 2019 series coming up. Uh, we got the cosplay episode, and then, of course, after that, we have the anime episode. And, of course, after that, we have actual MTAC. And we will be there, and uh, we'll be recording and cosplaying and all that cool shit. So we are excited to have all that come up soon and see you all and pass out free swag, hopefully. So... Yeah, we will see you there. Ted, you want to remind everyone where uh, they can find you online? Yeah, so uh, I, I can do that. You can find me uh, at Ted is on Fire, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram, uh, where I basically retweet accounts that are much funnier or better than mine in any number of ways. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on my blog, uh, which is Scenes from a Voyage. Dot wordpress.com i'm cheap so i'm not buying my own site you're just gonna have to go to wordpress <laughs> uh that's uh scenes from a voyage all one word uh, uh dot wordpress.com where i talk about movies mm-hmm. fairly regularly yeah um so yeah 
Cool. Uh, find me on the, the Twitter machine. Yeah. And of course, you can find us at, uh, at geekgaragepodcast.com. Uh, same title at uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, we're at geekgaragepod. And yeah, uh, of course, we're listed on all the podcasting platforms Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, blah, 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 blah. Tell your friends. Yeah. If you uh, friends. And uh, if you're into supporting the show uh, and don't want to spend any money in doing so, there are a few great ways. But the best way is to leave us a rating and review because it helps both Apple and Google with their algorithm and getting us up in the. It tells the, other the recommended, people. Uh, it tells other people that we're worth listening to, right? Which is a lie, but it's a lie that we encourage, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Ted, thanks again for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you Thank for you for, for coming on. Um, yeah, and we will uh, uh, we'll close this bitch down. And uh, remember, be kind, stay geeky, and eat lots of cheesecake.